Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, it's better to poop your pants than be like this guy and just be full of it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is the, uh, yeah, well, we're still in the cold weather. Uh, A little bit on that coming up, though. Uh, On tonight's show, I am going to do a review of the uh, Sutliff Tobacco Crumble Cake Red Virginia, just the uh, the straight Virginia, so I've worked my way through that one. And uh, we'll uh, have uh, part four of Story Times with the McNeils. Yes, part four. Uh, And then uh, in music, well, in the music and mailbag segment, we'll have obviously music and mailbag, and we'll have the announcement of our uh, Pipes Magazine radio show Grammy Award winner, and then a rant based on on confetti. Yeah, a rant based on confetti. All that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, And I mentioned warm weather or cold weather because I have... uh, booked myself on my first uh, travel agent special cruise so february 15th uh right just in time for my wife's um somewhat big birthday and we won't talk about her age uh but it's a big birthday um might be you know she's catching up to me it might be half a century never know anyway uh well my wife and i will be on a princess cruise ship for 10 days and if anybody starts laughing about the fact that i'm going back on a princess cruise ship go right ahead i'll wait for you uh because i realized that uh you know i kind of said a long time ago that i'd never go back well (laughs) Guess what? Princess is one of the few cruise lines that still has an indoor pipe and cigar lounge that is spacious and comfortable. So I'm looking forward to uh, utilizing that a couple times a day and uh, looking forward to just getting down to the warm weather of the Caribbean. Uh, if <laughs> and if you want to come along, it's uh, February 15th on the Crown Princess. So just let me know. Email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. Uh, there are still a few cabins left. Anyway, uh, we're looking forward to that. And, of course, just looking forward to escaping the cold weather and getting, uh, getting down there and uh, seeing some islands that we've never been to before. So. All right, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back. And before I get going, I forgot I actually made a mistake last week. I know it's very rare. 
It is very rare. So I got my one mistake for the year out of the way early. Uh, last week when I said that we are on uh, on uh, spot on Stitcher, I meant to say we're on Spotify. Yeah, we've been on Stitcher since the beginning. We've been on Spotify now for a couple of weeks or months or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, I made a mistake. I got it out of the way. I feel better now. All right. Uh, Sutliff, Red Virginia Crumble Cake. Uh, so again, with this crumble cake line, you know, I, I got requested to review all three of them. I'm not going to review the English because I don't want to, and I don't have to. Uh, but if it stands to be like the other two that I've tried now, suffice it to say, it should find a niche in its market and be very good. Uh, the crumble cake, Red Virginia, again, when you, you know, nice label. When you open it, there's the uh, the little brown paper cover in the bag, and then inside of it is two really nice-looking little logs or cakes. And uh, and again, from smoking the red the Virginia Perique version of it, I learned a little bit about how to smoke it. Uh, you know, one again, instead of folding it long ways, fold it side to side so that you don't get quite as many small pieces in there because I've found with both of these, there can be a bit of a problem when you're looking at, uh, when you're trying to pack them and get, uh, you know, getting too many small pieces towards the bottom of the bowl. So again, be careful with overpacking the bottom of the bowl on both of these. Uh, with this one, the aroma is, uh, you know, obviously that Virginia, and it's got a little bit of that, you know, they're obviously targeting that McClellan flavor style. They get close with this. Do they get dead on? No. But I'm wondering exactly how it's going to feel and taste in, uh, you know, say two, three years. Uh, so I'm, I'm, Placing a purchase for some just to pop it away and talk to it in, uh, I don't know, 2021. Uh, room aroma on this is a lot softer, in my opinion, than the, uh, than the Virginia Perique. So it, it doesn't have the pungency of the Perique coming through. Uh, it does have that sweetness underneath it with a little bit of harshness, a little bit of uh, tartness. And I think that's because of the youthfulness of it. I think it would do really well, especially with the amount of air that's in the can. I think it'll do really well in aging for a couple of years. I will advise against letting this get too dry. It, I had a couple of bowls that it got, you know, that I let sit out too long and it got crunchy and dry. And then I got back into some of that uh, hot Virginia that some people are familiar with. So I will warn you against letting it get, you know, just, just don't let it get too dry. That, that's, that's my, uh, <laughs> that's my advice to you there. Don't let it get too dry. Sit on it for a while. Let it age. It is a good, uh, it's a good supplement. And interestingly enough, on TobaccoReviews.com, uh, there's eight reviews of this already versus the other two that I believe have, uh, I'm looking at it right now, uh, the English has four and the Virginia Perique has three. So obviously there's a lot of interest in this straight Virginia. And on it, it's described as aged red Virginias pressed into a vintage crumble cake, providing an exceptionally sweet and smooth smoke. Uh, again, it's a one and a half ounce tin, so it's not 50 grams. 
It's you know one and a half ounces. Uh, comes in more on the uh, on the mild side of medium, but almost dead on medium. Uh, no top note, does, you know, no topping or flavorings discovered. I'll read two reviews because I think both of these have something interesting to say. Uh, out of the eight, there's only uh, out of the eight reviews, there's seven of them that are four stars, and again, that's the highest you can get on tobacco reviews. And then there's one that's three stars. So let's start off with the three-star one that is from Sasquatch, and he writes, first hats off to Sutliff for understanding a big hole in the market and bothering to fill it. Tin note is vinegar, no joke, not fermented, something or other, just plain white vinegar. Singe the hairs in your nose. And if you just load the pipe and fire it, this is pretty bad for about five minutes, then smartens up into a pretty tasty red Virginia. Left on the counter for an hour before loading, all that vinegar nose just flashes off and leaves a really nice smelling red Virginia, that deep, sweet, almost woodsy smell. Uh, in the pipe, this is bigger than the lamented 5100, more akin to something like blackjack, I suppose. Sweet enough, lots of flavor variation through the bowl, slight ammonia in the snork here and there. Uh, don't know if more age would remove that. Pleasant tobacco if you can get your head around the vinegar. Not in the same league as either Wessex Red Flake, but the effort is there. Not quite a four-star for me, but perfectly acceptable and gladly received as there is a dearth of reds. Uh, I'm not sure what he's talking about with a dearth of reds, but uh, I, can, I can see what he's talking about. And then, uh, and then Nuclear Aider, N-K-U-L-K-8-R gave it four stars and writes wow is right this is a remarkable tobacco being relatively new to pipes since 2013 and being one of those smokers who generally avoided virginia's initially i love 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 this crumble just the wonderful earthy aroma the fruity bouquet and the tang of the tin note alone lets you know that this is something special indeed and it is such a beautifully crafted crumble cake I'm appreciative and very thankful that there are people in the world who have the knowledge, the expertise, the science, and the art of creating something so pleasing to the senses, to the eye, to the palate, to the nose. The cellar is heavily stocked. So there's, uh, there's, you know, those are the two sides of it, and I can agree with both of them, and I can understand both of them, and uh, all I can say is that, yeah, this this blend is going to be something completely different and one and dramatically more improved in two years yet it is perfectly fine and smokable right now so uh it, comments or questions again post them on the pipes magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com if you have any review uh, any blends that you'd like for me to review please email me brian at pipesmagazine.com or follow me on facebook send me a facebook message get the information there somehow i am officially now all caught up on all the uh, blend requests so just let me know all right in just a moment more story times with mike and mary mcneil this is internet radio I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. 
While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment, so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. And we are back. And uh, if you recall, last time we had uh, story time with the McNeils, uh, Mike was talking about some of the other people in the industry and uh, some, of the, uh, some of the competitors and how everybody helped each other. Well... We kind of continue along with that, and we get into some of the uh, some of the tobacco side of it, and the uh, you know where the tobacco comes from. We just had a lot of help over the years, or we, there's no way, Rudy. You, you can work your brains out day and night, seven days a week, which we kind of did. But you also had to have help from the the guys that had access to the great leaf. You know, a lot of guys. Oh, you go to auction. Oh, yeah, we went to summer walking around because we knew the people in North Carolina, and it was great. But it was the leaf dealers that bought the leaf. I mean, you had to have a tag. You didn't just walk in off the street. Hey, I got some money. I mean, you, you got Liggett, Lorillard, Standard, Philip Morris, Reynolds. They'd look at you like, what's wrong with you? I mean, you got to be, you got to have a tag and be one of the group. And, uh, we would go through it because we knew some of the guys that were tagged and going through and buying millions of pounds. You know, it it was a fantastic time. Yeah, they little, don't have me. I think they think they quit eighteen years ago. Let, let's talk about the leaf for a minute, because Mary, you went to leaf grading school, didn't you? Yes, I did. I didn't go through the full the full school, but I kind of went through a shortened version of it because I traveled and I happened to be there and uh, it, it was it was very helpful and very useful. So what the, for, for those of us that don't know, like me, um, what the hell is grading school? What are they, you know, you get an A, B, <laughs> well, C, D or an E? Well, you know, I, I don't think a little company like ours could have been successful at all except for the infrastructure that existed around us uh, you're part of a larger picture uh, that you couldn't exist you couldn't exist without the larger scene and this was largely government run uh, through the USDA which gave money to universities for the development of seed uh, to to be uh, pest and and blight resistant they ran grading schools to teach people in the industry as well as their own employees how to grade they published books on grades of tobacco they uh, had people at each auction to make sure everything went correctly. Uh, they uh, had uh, that, what is it, the, the land, the allotment 
what they have for every kind of of crop corn wheat tobacco uh it was uh kind of a price support program uh for for the land what's that called when when you have a it's almost like your land has value that the government gave it because you you can grow you are allowed to grow tobacco on it Uh, you can't do it without that that's an allotment yeah uh, and and uh, so they ran these leaf school, grading schools, and uh, they had uh, examples uh, in in their freezers of the perfect examples of every grade, and you could uh, they would get them out, and you would look at them and feel them, and and come to know what what that grade should be, so that then. When you uh, began buying and using tobacco, you would know exactly the grade that you wanted. You would know exactly what you were after. And uh, it was extremely helpful. You know, then came the farmer buyout as the anti-tobacco forces grew. (laughs) Uh, I can't remember exactly when it began. But uh, it took 10 years uh, to, to, uh, for the industry uh, to pay off the $14 million uh, for the buyout. Billion? Was it billion? Yes, billion. Yeah, I guess it was. <clears throat> and uh, uh, at the end of that, which was about 20... What would it have been? It would have been about 2014 because it was really right before FDA came in because the USDA collected our money every quarter. And then when (laughs) that ended, next thing you know, here's FDA to collect money for their service, which, you know, their fee. Uh, At any rate, uh, where did I go? Where am I going? They they can still grow it, Brian. Um, and some of them still do today, but the, if you had so much acreage, they added it up, and then we, then the big guys mainly, the cigarette guys, which are 97% of the market, would, you know, pay them an allotment fee. Some of them made millions of dollars, and they're, they can still grow it. You can grow it. You don't have to go get special permission. You can grow tobacco starting, you know, next year, but it was, it, Philip Morris wanted it. They wanted it so they could directly contract with the farmer and just bypass the leaf guys. That's what they wanted to do, and they thought they could control things better. But the farmers, when they, for generations, get used to the guys they deal with at the leaf companies that they've known since they were walking in the field when they were five years old, they don't like that. I don't think Philip Morris realized it, but they realized it pretty soon. You know, these guys are traditional guys. They got a pickup truck, and they've known Billy and Johnny from Standard Commercial for 45 years. And then these new people show up from the big corporation. And they it, it, it disrupted the whole thing is what it did. And they never got over it. So at least by a lot of them in North Carolina, you live there, you drive around, 
where we go every year to see the tobacco guys. We're still close friends with them. Uh, you see a lot of soybeans. It's like the soybean capital of the universe. It's and a, where the fields were, when we used to go down there and stop every two minutes and look at the fields and take pictures of them with me standing out there with black mats all over my head, you know, it's now soybeans. And we will pause it right there, and I'll remind you that the that I think I've talked about this in the past. The numbers that Mike is talking about and the decline in tobacco production, especially here in North Carolina, uh, when you when you look at the tobacco industry as a whole, I believe if you go back to 1972, the entire tobacco industry was about 50 million pounds. In the last real numbers that I saw, the tobacco, the pipe tobacco industry is about 1.4 million pounds. So that that decrease in the United States alone has meant that you know consumption's moved to somewhere else and the farmers were paid to not grow tobacco through that buyout so uh, that's those are the numbers that Mike's talking about but we'll be back in just a minute have a look in your tobacco cellar what do you see think of what you smoke what you age what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and we'll pick up right where we left off with uh, Mike and Mary McNeil. And as you do that that it just narrows down the field on you, you know, what, what you have to pick from. And, and, uh, it's, it's a changing thing that's, that's changed dramatically in the last 40 years. But the benefit, the benefit for, for you guys for, with Mary going to the grading school was at least you knew, you knew if you were, you know, what you were buying, you knew what it was supposed to look like and supposed to smell like. Right, I, I'm yes. partially colorblind too, so she could tell the color better and than the I texture. Could. Right, the yeah. texture, and to see if there's any green in it or any any unripe. But that said, you could have five fields of red; they could all be bad tasting for what we wanted. Trace and, elements, right? And you smoke them, or you'd have. Two out of the five that were pretty good, and you'd pick between the two. You could have a field of red, which means it's very, very ripe. It was picked late, and it was ripe, and it was flutured, and it turned even redder, and it was aged, and it turned even redder. You could have another field across the street. It didn't work out. But the one across the other way, across the gravel road, was perfect. 
you just and we got to the point years ago where we'd take a pair of scissors, get the samples in at raw leaf, cut it up with scissors and smoke it in meerschaums and clays. And we were looking we got to the point where we could tell, hey, this stuff is sweet as a Milky Way right now and we haven't even caked it or anything and it really doesn't have any bad trace elements in it. This could be a really good cake. And that's when we do the test. Others, all the the, the, the sugars are all right and everything, and you smoke, and you're like, oh, there's no way. No way. And that's smoking it raw. It used to be, well, I'll make a cake and see what happens. It got to the point where we just taste it raw and go, uh-uh. No, I'm not even going to go to that. Hellacious trouble to make a cake out of it and age it and cut it. I just wasted my time. It was only on the ones that were raw that you said, my God, this tastes good, and I haven't even aged it or anything. <laughs> and then you pretty much know, you're not totally sure, but you pretty much know the chances of it being great are pretty good. And the Meerschaum and the, uh, I know everybody smokes Briars, I got it, but you know, I got about 100 clay pipes that I bought from the old German clay guy, and they're just great. And that's, we did a lot of testing in Meerschaums and clays. Because you get a new one, and it's the naked truth. Nothing's been in it before, and this is what it is. Uh, Brian, let me, you, know, you smoke something else in there ten times. Well, I, I just never trusted it like that. I mean, we did early on, but then I thought, my God, these Meerschaums are so clean and everything, and the clays are perfectly new. Just try it in that and see what you think. Let, let me ask you this, then. I'm not sure I know the answer to this one either, and you guys may not know, but got a better chance of you guys knowing than me what is deer tongue and what happened to it you want to answer it now or want me to uh deer tongue is is it the leaf of the tonka bean plant i i believe it is it's in that family and what the active ingredient in that is coumarin which was used a lot years ago in tobacco and especially aromatics and in uh, uh, makeup, uh, fragrances. Oh, it, it, it's got a almost a kind of vanilla character, a smell, and it has the capacity to, to uh, make a fragrance last a long time. So it doesn't disappear. And uh, it was found to be uh, carcinogenic. And <laughs> so it was dropped by uh, various governments that ran those tests. And we never used it. We came in late enough that we had, uh, we never used it. We knew what it was, but we didn't, we didn't choose to, to base it. To put it I, I, I did experiments with it, and and I got some you know test sample and stuff because I was fascinated with it. It had a wonderful smell. It was used in ice cream. The ice cream makers and different confectionery companies used it all the time. I don't know if it came out and said it was, but it it became questionable, and then I heard the Germans banned it totally. And then they the banned US, it, and then I think it was banned here too. And yeah. then the Germans, I think they brought it back. 
Uh, yeah, I heard that. With they, new they research. Small but that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the. But, but we never, you know, I did experiments with it because I thought it was cool. It's little square crystals, and it smelled so good. I mean, they just, it wasn't exactly, it wasn't like vanilla, really. It had a different smell. It just smelled. I just opened up the tub and go, man, that stuff smells good. Of course, you know, I wasn't allowed to actually use it and make a product. And I knew that. I finally threw it out. But I said, "Right, well, I smell this stuff. This stuff smells so good. It was incredible. And that's why it was an ice cream, I think. That smell, you just <laughs> they didn't use a lot. They probably, you could use a small amount, and it would, it would get you the smell. And uh, I think in the early 70s, it was questionable, and then the guys just dropped it. You know, they, I mean, nobody knew anything about it much. It's just it's one of the flavorings, and it went in in small amounts of different casings and things. You know, nobody knew any much about it. It's just some guys making a casing at wherever, and, uh, you know, well, that's what you do, you know. They didn't think, oh, my God, this stuff's terrible. I, mean, I don't think it was ever damn horrible. I, I'd have to look it up. Maybe it'll come back for marijuana. That's trendy again. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, do you guys have any fun or favorite consumer stories? Isn't there one that you told me about one time about one guy that used to write to Frog Morton? Oh, yeah. I was looking through material knowing I was going to talk to you today, and I found an old letter from him. He, he was wonderful. Uh, he, we kept up a, a correspondence between uh, Jim Bennett and uh, Frog Morton for a few years, <laughs> and it, it was just hysterical. Uh, if you wouldn't mind having me read to you a couple of paragraphs, no, it, there's no other way to, to really get the feel of the whole thing. Yeah. Are you? Okay. He wrote... Um, in April of 1999. Dear Frog Morton, your exquisite tobacco has rekindled my interest for a Latakia blend, and I find it rejuvenating. I can't wait to receive your catalog that I ordered last week. I am a commercial artist and live in the Skill Mountains with an old hound dog named Dobbs. I am pretty much a loner and have a nice pond behind my home with a dock. My children claim that I am a recluse and fundamentally alienated from the entire structure of an institutional society. Quite simply, the dogs here have teeth and the people don't, so I can't find much conversation. The pond I live on is inhabited by Syrian frogs, and it's a total mystery how they got here. The frogs adore that Latakia fragrance. When I smoke here on the town, they all croak a melody that seems to be from Three Penny Opera. One frog named Ruth Baxter leaped onto the arm of my deck chair last evening. The look on her face, if she could talk, would have said, When my mother was a little girl, she sang like Edith Piaf. The pond is also home for some major water snakes who harbor an abominable fear of camels. The aroma of your fine blend on the town keeps them at bay. Hallelujah. That's it for now, Frog. If you're up this way, I'll keep a lily pad clean for you, and there are plenty of sweet bugs to eat on the pond. I'm looking forward to trying the other blends. Frog Morton responded, um, Greetings, fellow pondmen. 
Everyone at McClelland enjoyed your letter tremendously. I especially enjoyed the reference to Three Penny Opera. I heard Madame Butterfly the other evening quite distinctly. Thank you for the invitation, but I think it will be a while before I take you up on the offer. That combination of major water snakes and dogs with teeth would provide a little too much stimulation for me right now. I hope that you will continue to enjoy my blends and others from my friends at McClelland. Please give my best regards to Ruth Baxter. I think I knew her mother. <laughs> so, so wait a <laughs> second. This was, was this guy serious, and and you kept oh, this he going. A, he's he really lives in the woods, and he's uh, <laughs> he he was really sweet. And as time went on, uh, he he sent he sent us a bunch of uh, of recipes for soups and breads and things. I mean, he's like a, <laughs> uh, he was great. He was so much fun, and we had others too. We had a fellow that sent us. Uh, uh, it was almost like a, a play with characters and settings. I mean, it was unbelievable. And do you remember uh, Father Basil Foot? Yes. Father Basil. He yep. showed up at a, a number of like the Chicago pipe shows and things of that nature. He was really sweet and he used to correspond with us. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm sure over the years you've had you know co you've had consumers come up to you and thank you for all you know for the years of enjoyment and blah 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 and stuff like that. Oh, it, it's it's really wonderful. It is. It's really uh, and and so many of them are just really fun people, really interesting people. You know, pipe smokers are the best. Uh, you went on a trip to Greece where you got to go see some of the uh, some of the Oriental tobaccos. Oh yes, this was early on when we were seeking, uh, you know, uh, the quality and the variety that we, uh, in order to expand our line of product, we wanted more variety in in our leaf, and so. Uh, I had made contact with Universal Leaf, which is still one of the biggest of the of the leaf processing companies. And uh, we had a fellow named Jimmy Gibbs that was our sales, uh, the person that was our contact. And he made arrangements. I was going to go, after my mom passed away in 84, I was feeling pretty lonely. Things had kind of fallen apart in my little world at home and, and my mom gone and I just didn't know what to do. And I got a, a notice through, through the church from, uh, one of my cousins in Greece on my dad's side of the family. I had never met them and they wanted me to come to Greece. And, and so I thought, well, why not? And so, uh, I chose to travel, uh, it was the week after we bombed Gaddafi over oh, that no. bit of uh, Mediterranean uh, sea that he wanted to claim as his own. Uh, and uh, it was not safe. Those were the days when bombs were going off in uh, American planes and the Athens airport was not considered safe. And so I uh, took Icelandic. I went, I went on an American flight to Chicago 
And then in Chicago, I got on Icelandic, and they uh, stopped in Reykjavik and ran us through a duty-free shop. And then on <laughs> we went to Luxembourg, where, where we spent the night and went to an American cemetery uh, that was very beautiful and uh, uh, kind of amazing. And uh, then on into Athens. In Athens, they parked the plane way out on the tarmac, and we all had to walk between this double line of soldiers uh, carrying uh, uh, guns and wearing these bullet belts. And uh, uh, it was really scary. And so I got there, and I got through customs and uh, uh, met my cousins, and uh, it was wonderful. And then I had my little bit of business uh, to, to conduct. I was uh, to meet a uh, Mr. Vafeas, uh, Demosthenes Vafeas, who was running a tobacco company uh, in uh, Salonika. And he, in turn, took me over to the Alemanis factory, which was where the really premium oriental tobaccos were processed. They, they got them from all over the region, and they graded them in their own way, and they, uh, they were just the primo company uh, at that time. And so I, uh, in order to do that part of my trip, I, my cousins took me to the Athens airport, and I got on the Olympic airline, uh, Olympia. Olympia? Olympic. It was the Greek, the Greek one. <laughs> anyway, when I got on the plane and got to my seat, I came to realize that though they gave instructions in three languages, English was not one of them. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just was really clueless. And I was sitting next to a man who was very uh, mysterious, very Middle Eastern. And, you know, I've, I'm from Kansas City, and I just didn't know much of anything about <laughs> yeah. the, the world at large. And I was a little intimidated by all this. And uh, so he looked over at me, and uh, he had a really deep voice, uh, and he said, Hello, where are you from? And I said, America, what about you? And he said, Libya. And I thought, oh, <laughs> oh God. <no. laughs> I looked over at his briefcase and I thought, boy, you better not open that briefcase or I'm just going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out that he was really a sweet guy, and uh, he was uh, working for a bank in Greece, and he was feeling uh, very much out of place in a, you know, the Greeks tend to be a little clannish, I guess. And luckily, I was part of the clan when I was there, but uh, he was Brian, feeling lonely and unhappy. As a crazy <laughs> side issue, Barry Levin had a wandering crazy brother. <laughs> I forget his I forget his name, but he just kind of wandered the world. He ended up becoming friends with with Gaddafi and Gaddafi's son, and he was sending pictures of himself to Barry, and they were playing polo or something. And he's just smiling in between Gaddafi and his son. And of course, you know what happened there. But yeah. I never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. 
Barry would say, yeah, my brother's over there with Gaddafi, you know, playing polo or something. And he was sending Barry pictures all the time of his world travels. And that is where we will leave off for uh, this week with Mike and Mary McNeil. Got uh, one, maybe two more episodes coming. Just depends on the editing. Uh, But again, it's a good glimpse inside of what the tobacco industry what the people of the industry are like and what some of uh, some of the consumers are like. I mean, imagine corresponding directly to Frog Morton. Uh, makes me wonder, maybe uh, maybe now that Frog is retired, does he have his own Facebook page where, you know, he talks to people or croaks at them? Um, anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Hope that gave you a little bit more insight into exactly how the tobacco industry works, uh, kind of works well with the, uh, with the pipe parts for last week of where the tobacco is sourced from and how it, uh, becomes pipe tobacco and, uh, some of the, uh, some of the discussions in between, especially about, uh, deer tongue, you know, I can't eat ice cream, but <laughs> boy, it sure does sound good. All right, and we'll be back in just a moment. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Arcabellano red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And before we get to the mailbag, music. Uh, So for music, you know, and I've been in a classical mood this week. And I realize it's the dead of winter, but one of my favorite pieces is from my friend Dan Locklear from his Symphony of the Seasons. It's Autumn. I love this piece. So, you know what? We're going to play it and just picture that it's, you know, like three months ago in fall.
I just love that. And uh, in the next coming weeks, we'll play more, including uh, parts from uh, winter. And then, uh, you know, before spring gets here, I'm going to get to the spring movement, too. Monday, Monday. You've got mail. You've got mail. Thursday, Friday. You've got mail. All right, in the mailbag. And remember, thank you to everyone that sent in comments and suggestions over the holidays. I've got a bunch of stuff to get through, but if you've got an idea or a comment or a question, you can email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. Follow me on Facebook and send me a message there. I don't care how you get the message to me. If you've got a comment or a question, send it. All right, going back to last week's show with uh, Trey Rice, uh, Casey Ghostwrites. Nice show. Trey Rice was a nice interview, but it could have used a story or two to liven it up. But being young, he doesn't have any stories. I couldn't figure out who he is around gathering pipe knowledge from since he's only been to one show, and that was over seven years ago. Uh, it's amazing what you can learn from the Internet. And then uh, Casey Ghost says, Dom Flemons just killed it with his Jimmy Rogers-esque style of a Texas blue yodel. It was mighty fine and light years better than the Punch Brothers. And uh, so that's uh, one vote for Dom. Uh, and uh, I will say that, uh, you know, Dan is uh, never, uh, never soft on an opinion. Uh, and then uh, Russ Hicks says, great show, Brian. I enjoyed Dom's performance, but my vote goes to Punch Brothers. Chris Thiele is easily one of the greatest musicians alive today, and the new Punch Brothers album is beyond stellar, Russ. So there's one vote for each. I'm going to keep the rest of the votes secret <laughs> and build up the suspense. Uh, writing Rav, Ira says, nice interview. I hope Trey keeps up the work since I know, since I've noticed and I've worked my way through earlier broadcasts that a few of the pipe makers that you've interviewed have already disappeared from the scene after a couple of years. My favorite part of the show was hearing your answer to one of the comments wherein you revealed that Mike and Mary will be coming back. That is wonderful news as those interviews have been among the most entertaining and finally, he wanted to vote for, and I'll leave it there for you. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, listen, going back and listening to the archives of the show and some of the pipe makers, remember, each one of these pipe makers is essentially a small business. And a small business, most of them fail within three to five years. And, yeah, or people lose interest and things move on. And that's why we celebrate those pipe makers that have been doing this for 30, 40 years because they've, you know, they've had lasting power and the ability to stick with it. And, you know, for some people making pipes and sitting in a uh, sitting in a workshop all day by themselves just isn't for them when it comes down to it. Uh, Crash the Gray writes. Great pipe part segment. Although there is a lot of mystery, it is good to know just where the knowledge ends and the mystery begins. Great insight. If I'm honest, the interview was all right. It felt a bit forced at times. Not bad, though. My vote goes for, and we'll catch up with that later. Uh, and then Chill Lucky says, well, how about that? Thanks, Brian. You clearly and succinctly answered at one time what I thought were several separate questions. But most importantly, you let me know which of my questions I wasn't going to be able to ever get an answer to, which will save me a lot of beating my head against the wall in long form. And then he placed his vote. 
and and remember there you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of secretive stuff to the tobacco industry and there's a lot of things that people won't say um and then going back to two weeks ago i just want to make sure yep i got all those covered in last week so uh without further ado uh the winner of the pipes magazine radio show grammy award and there was some folks that uh on the public voting, it was four to one. There were some folks that chimed in privately and just sent me messages and uh, tweets and texts and stuff. But uh, Dom Flemons is the winner of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show Grammy Award. I will, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try somehow to let him know that what he won was um, a warm feeling. Running, uh, no, just a, uh, just the admiration of everybody. And again, you know, the Punch Brothers. That uh, that is a great album. Uh, if you want to support these artists, the best way you can support both of them is go online and purchase their music. Uh, go, you know, don't just stream it from uh, Spotify or Apple Music. Actually, go online and buy the CD or buy the downloaded album, and that is the best way to support these this music. Uh, also, if you're worried about a pipe maker going away, one of the best ways to do that, one of the best ways to make sure they don't go away is support them by buying a pipe directly from them. And uh, don't forget, email me any uh, pipe maker questions that you have for the Ask the Pipe Maker segment with Jeff Grasick. So we've got, uh, we've got a bunch of them, but we'd like to have more. That would be absolutely wonderful. And again, iTunes or Apple, I, Apple Podcasts, whatever the heck they're calling themselves, a rating or review would be wonderful. Same thing on Stitcher while you're there. Leave a rating or review. And in just a moment, a glitter-filled rant time. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. make a list let's make a list right now all right glitter uh that gray stuff that's on scratcher tickets you know like the lottery tickets and you know like the back of a card you know like a gift card that's got an authorization number on there and that little rubber stuff that they use to glue in uh credit cards into offers and mail and stuff you know that little that little rubber rubber glue dot well, those are probably next. Uh, glitter first, and then the scratch-off stuff, and then the little glue dots. Those are next on the list of the people that are uh, things that need to be banned. You know, we're worried about straws getting into the ocean and causing problems in the ocean. Well, after this Christmas, and after putting away Christmas ornaments and noticing that all the brand new Christmas ornaments that are on the that are for sale all are coated in glitter. Well, we are chasing glitter around this house like crazy. Everywhere you look, there's glitter. At one point, a piece of glitter ended up on my forehead. I got accused of being in an inappropriate dance place. Well, all I had to show her was, no, I was at home where there's glitter all over the place. 
Well, what happens to this glitter? Yeah, you sweep it up, you vacuum it up, you put it into a trash bag, or you know, if you're if you're lucky, it actually gets into the trash bag. Well, that little glitter stuff is going to end up in landfills. If you live near the coast, that little glitter stuff is going to end up in the ocean. Same thing with the uh, little scratcher, scratch-off cover gray stuff that they have on all these gift cards and lottery tickets and stuff. That stuff isn't going away. It's not biodegradable. It's going to end up in landfills and animals and all kinds of places all over the place. And those little glue dots. Well, now, you know, I can, I can just see it. Pretty soon we're going to have a glitter-free society, which would be fine with me because I really don't have this thing for glitter, so don't think of anything weird or anything. But we're going to have glitter all over the place, and the entire oceans are gonna, on the bottom are going to be coated with glitter and those little glue dots and that little scratch-off stuff from the lottery tickets. So there you go. Watch out, kids. After straws, we're going to lose glitter and scratch-off lottery tickets. And those little glue dots, which I hate those little glue dots anyway. All right. Uh, again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, thank you to Mike and Mary McNeil for uh, doing all they've done for us. And we'll have one more episode at least with them. So don't think this is the end of it. But thanks for them sitting down with me. And most of all, you know, thank you all for tuning in and downloading and listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show and keeping the show going. So with all that being said, I'll just leave you with until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Uh oh, that was a big load.